Welcome to the 10th episode of the Front End Happy Hour. In this episode, we'll be discussing the topic women in tech. It's continually an area that the tech industry is trying to work on and improve on. Uh, to help talk about today's topic, we're joined by two special guests today, Mars Julian from Netflix and Lisa Burgess from Uber. Mars and Lisa, would you give us a brief introduction ab about yourselves and who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? Hi, I'm Mars Julian. I'm a senior UI engineer at Netflix, and my favorite happy hour beverage is wine and anything red. And I'm Lisa Burgess. I uh, lead the marketing analytics team at Uber. And my favorite happy hour beverage also has to be wine. Um, but if I had to pick a favorite, favorite wine, it would be uh, Pinot Noir. All right, let's quickly go around the table too and introduce uh, the rest of the panelists. Brian, do you want to start it off? Sure. Uh, my name is Brian Holt. I'm a junior diversity engineer at Netflix. Um, my name is Derek Showers, UI engineer <laughs> at LinkedIn. My name is Jem Young, a senior software engineer at Netflix. Uh, my name is Augustus here, and I'm a front-end engineer at Evernote. Awesome. I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a UI engineering manager at Netflix. So if you haven't listened to an episode of Front-end Happy Hour in the past, each episode we like to choose a keyword, and if it's mentioned, we'll all take a drink. So for this episode, what did we decide today's keyword is? Gender. 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 So if we hear the word gender, we will take a drink. All right, let's start today's episode off with the first question. What do you think of the tech industry in terms of diversity, specifically diversity around women? It's great. <laughs> That's why we're talking about it today. It could be better, obviously. I mean, women make up 51% of the world and in tech. I don't know what the actual numbers are, but it's extremely low. So, yeah, it's bad. It's very bad. Well, I was even looking up a number for even like women in computer science courses and it's actually only about 19% of the students are women. So that's fairly low, which I think is probably gotten better over the years. When I went to school, I remember out of the last people that graduated, I think there was eight or nine people and only two of them were women. So it's not very many people. The course started larger, but uh, then only the ones actually graduating were one or two. So that's not very many. Yeah, I wonder, like, it's interesting with the, like, computer science degrees versus some of the new boot camps and stuff too, what the numbers are. I don't know what they are, but uh, it's interesting too. Because I know a couple of people that have gone to boot camps and I know that there's definitely more than, well, I shouldn't say definitely, but it seems like there's more than 19% that are in those, those programs. I think it's definitely, it's starting to get better in terms of like individual contributor roles. When you're looking at the makeup of men and women, it's still not perfect. But I think as you go up the, up the ranks and up the scales, you see fewer and fewer women, even with all of these programs having more and more women in them, it, it, it's still not translating to women getting to the top. What was it like a year ago or so that a lot of the tech companies like Google, Apple, I know Netflix did it. I think LinkedIn may, uh, may have well shared all their gender, which I just said the word gender. Cheers, everyone. <laughs> but yeah, they, they basically shared the diversity numbers in each of their companies. And I mean, looking at most of them, it was only like 20 or 30 percent of their employees were women. So fairly low, and I'm sure it gets even, like you said, Lisa, lower in the leadership roles. That was kind of just a broad number that I was looking at. Yeah, like I even like in my experience, like seeing women, I do see some like a lot of PMs or like designers. But then I think there's it definitely feels like there's like some kind of ceiling. I, I just start like seeing less and less women in like the higher leadership roles for some reason. So Yeah, that's true. I think um, you reminded me of a <clears throat> funny story, a, a designer 
um, that I work with. She's, she, uh, we all got jackets, um, for something that we launched recently and it was, it said LinkedIn engineering on the back. And I guess she was at like a theater or something. And, um, this person behind her said, Oh, does your son work at LinkedIn? So definitely that bias out there. I think when it comes to the, the leadership angle, when you start with even just a small gender bias, the very beginning of someone's career over time, that will gender bias. When you start with a small gender bias, the beginning of like, say two people's careers at one company, one male, one female, or in the larger population, you know, 50% male, 50% female in an ideal world. Um, and you take the gender bias and you apply it to performance reviews and promotions and everything throughout the cycle, you eventually get to a leadership that's composed of mostly men with just, you know, very, very small bias at the, at the beginning, which is interesting. Which on that point, there there was this study that the Harvard Business Review had done on, it was called, I think, like vague feedback is holding women back. So it was specifically around giving women feedback in the performance review cycle. And what was really interesting is they, their hypothesis was that one of the primary things why women are not reaching these executive roles is because of poor feedback both positive and negative in the review cycle. And they actually evaluated the written responses of, I think it was three tech companies and a, like a consulting firm um, of men and women. And they found that that was in fact true. So women consistently received less feedback tied to business outcomes and more vague feedback. And women also received like negative vague, vague feedback in the terms of, you know, your communication style is not great. 76% of people or women were referred to as being too aggressive, whereas men were 24% likely to be referred as that. So it's really interesting because when it comes back to like performance review time and you read a man's review that's all the specific things that he did great, and then a women's performance review that is really vague, um, who are you going to promote, right? You're going to promote the one that has specific business outcomes tied to it. And so that is, that it's a, it's a really good article. I think Ryan will link to it in the... Um, yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's actually kind of crazy. Like even just talking about feedback, I think that's something that maybe we're not aware of is that there's differences between how a man and woman would receive feedback. Um, I don't know, has anyone ever noticed that or had an experience where they've received, seen that happen? I, I personally have definitely had that before at, at, a, at a job, not at where I'm at now, is that feedback that I had received was I was told that I needed to be nicer. And that was really curious to me because what does that actually mean? What does being nicer actually uh, mean? And so um, I worked with my manager to actually dive into examples and they didn't have any. They didn't really actually know what that meant. They just told me it was a perception issue, that it was my issue to fix, which is not something... And maybe I'll ask you guys, like, have you ever received feedback like that? No, I was just thinking when you said that, I, don't, I, I mean, who knows? But I, I feel like that's not something that normally would be given us feedback. Yeah. No, I feel like we would get praise for like, being direct. Like, and like, <laughs> we would be like, good job. Like, like, we did like, the opposite. Like, you need to be a little bit meaner. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I, I've gotten that before. You need to be meaner to people. Really? Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> Well, it's funny because like even if I got like the oh you need to be nicer it's like what <laughs> what can I do what exactly am I being mean about or like I just feel like it's not very good review it's very subjective you need examples like right. in order for feedback to be good feedback is there should be concrete examples and you can't just say be nicer what the fuck does that mean like really like that's terrible feedback and like how am I supposed to work on that 
do I have to go like hang out with people more at work, go social drinks with them? Or is it is it just in like the way I talk to them in meetings and emails? Like there's a lot of things that you could just really take that as a broad statement and it doesn't really help you with the feedback. Maybe he wanted me to bake cookies. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> share, share cookies and bake goods with the rest of your uh, team. I think a lot of it is a societal problem, not necessarily tech, in that an aggressive woman, or like if uh, if a woman says like, well, I disagree with that because this and this, they're like, whoa, 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 slow down, bro. But if like Augustus is like, well, I think we should do this, this, he's seen as like powerful and decisive. And that's, I, I've seen that yeah. like dissonance <laughs> a lot. He's he's very powerful. Oh, yeah. Like I'm so powerful. But I've seen that often in, in um, I, I've read similar studies to the one you pulled up and the ones you guys mentioned, where that... Women in a meeting tend not to speak up as less because they don't want us to like stand out and be like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. She's very aggressive about what she's saying. And she's like lean back a lot and let, let the men talk. And like that's the implied thing when you're saying like someone's too aggressive is like, let the men talk. You know, just what were you saying? Go bake cookies or something. And that's <laughs> it. It's we, a lot of it's like, I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but we have a lot of unconscious bias, which is probably the biggest thing even I struggle with today. Like I meet, um, I was at some tech company, it was like two or three years ago, but I met this woman and I like, I naturally assumed she was in marketing or like PR or something rather than like she was an engineer, a really good one at that. But that was on me. Cause like, that's something I run into. And like, I didn't think of that. Like, it's not deliberate. Like I think women are poor engineers. It's just, it's like, oh yeah, she's like, you know, marketing or something like that. And I didn't think, no, she, she could be like a really quality engineer or something like that. Cause yeah, unconscious bias. Sorry. This started oh, rambling. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I actually didn't get hired at a job because of that. Actually, at a, a company that someone to my right, who you can't see, but I can, when now currently works for that company, maybe soon. <laughs> Is that Microsoft no, you're no, referring I'll, to? I'll, 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 I didn't say it. Um, now, I went in for a job interview at this company. This was when I was pretty junior. I was still at my like first real web development job. I came out here to San Francisco interviewed with this company actually not necessarily directly with them but one of their other companies that they acquired rest in peace linkedin <laughs> um, yeah i went in and my my second round of interviews was with uh, a woman and i went in and i i like i'm not even sure if i want to like re admit this on a recording but i assumed that she was not an engineer i assumed that she was like in there for like a quote-unquote culture fit interview or something to that effect and she started asking me technical questions and I started like explaining to her the basics of JavaScript. And at that point she like, like, yeah, I, I fucking know that. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, like, like I didn't even recognize at this point that I had just made like a massive fuck up until I, I like got a uh, feedback saying that like, you're not going to be a good culture fit here. I'm like, why the hell would I not be a good culture fit? I'm awesome. <laughs> until years later I'm like oh holy shit it's because I treated her like she wasn't an engineer obviously that's a terrible terrible thing I guess it, by the sounds of it they didn't actually give you that feedback of why I mean it's and that's tough like in an interview to say hey you're not a good culture fit because you were like because you're sexist yeah I mean it's like, <laughs> as much as it's not easy to call someone on that it, it actually would be very very useful and I know there's been times where I've been uh, biased on something and, and not even realizing it and so sometimes being told that that's a good thing but it can be uncomfortable conversation too definitely sarah one of our panelists is not here right now she was sharing with us uh, similar experience when she was in an interview 
she was the interviewee and um she was with a guy and and the the um interviewee right was was talking at both of them but kept continued to look at the male in the room and not at not at her um and like directed all of his his uh questions and just like feedback and whatever towards towards the guy in the room which is like he didn't even acknowledge yeah. that sarah was there which is kind of poor etiquette like obviously that's a big no-no on like we're probably not going to hire you that's a red and the scary thing is i think it's definitely i don't think it's something that he walked in an interview thinking oh i'm gonna make sure that i'm constantly ignoring the female in the room <laughs> if if he did do that then that was probably poor judgment on his part but yeah there's deeper problems <laughs> <laughs> so i'm assuming that a lot of that was subconscious but that's that's kind of the scary part you know it's that unconscious bias, man. It, it's the hardest thing to fight because you're not even aware of it. You have to have yeah. someone else point it out to you. And I guess like in Brian's situation, it's not even... Yeah, it was in retrospect that I that I caught on to it. I think that the unconscious bias thing is, is really interesting as well because a lot of people don't want to talk about it because they're worried that people say, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, why are you worrying about that? And I've definitely heard that from other people as well. Like, why would I point that out? Um, I'm just going to get told or have been told in the past, like, oh, you're over, you're overlooking it and overreacting to it. And so it makes it even harder to actually point those types of situations out to people for fear of, you know, being yelled at. And we shouldn't be scared of that. But I think that that's part of the problem. Or too. like embarrassed, right? Or yeah. Like, it's just like, yeah, maybe I maybe I am pointing something out that's irrelevant or that's not important, you know, and like and we're we're being very friendly here. We're we're in a room of like I consider friendly, open minded people, but make no mistake, there are there are people out there that are definitely biased against women. Um like we're just excluding them from the conversation. We're like we're hoping we're all good people, but yeah, those people I don't, I don't know how to fix that. Like, I don't think you can. You fire them. Like yeah. I think that's the way you, you fix it. It should fire them. Yeah, it should be like hands down, yeah, like no well, slap on the wrist, you didn't know. But, like, no, it's 2016. This isn't, like, Agreed. 1950s where it's like, ah, oh, it's okay. Good job, sweetie. Like, no, it's 2016. <laughs> we're, we're, I hope we're all evolved now. So there should be, like, hands down just fired. I think, like, the, the part that we can influence is the subconscious uh, stereotype, you know, and, and, like, the extremist, if you will, or whatever, that you just, yeah, there's just nothing you can do with that. Luckily, I think that's a low percentage. I think a lot. I think the bigger percentage, you could be wrong. Hopefully, the bigger percentage is the subconscious unbiased. Um, but no, I think that the, those people that are to the extreme in anything, you're, yeah, you're not going to be able to just have to fire. What mistakes have you seen companies or people make around diversity in the past? There are some meetups that like, even like small things, like when they do catering towards like men rather than women, like I believe like someone mentioned before. Oh yeah. Mars had a actually yeah, Mars good, tell your story. good story about that. Yeah, um, I went to a meetup at a company here in the Bay Area. I won't say which. And it was in San Francisco. We'll start there. It was in San yeah. Francisco. We can narrow it down, right? It yeah, was on uh, the corner of... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to this meetup, and mind you, I didn't go alone. I went with a friend of mine who's a guy. And when I got there, I was really surprised to notice that everyone was sort of of the same age. And that off the bat didn't make me feel uncomfortable. I was just, you know, I thought it was, oh, you know, it's another tech meetup in the city. All, you know, very young, similar demographic. But when I went to go get something to drink or eat, I noticed that all they were serving was uh, beer and burritos. And all of a sudden, I got very uncomfortable. Not every woman hates beer, but I really don't like beer. I'm more of a cider and wine kind of girl. And 
So when I realized the limited set of options that I had in front of me, I began to feel really uncomfortable. That combined with the fact that everyone there was similar age range um, and all guys. I could probably count the other number of women there on one hand. It was probably about four or five. And I tried to stick it out. I was waiting for Ryan and Derek to show up, actually. And I was like, you know, there's people coming. I don't want to bail on them. But about five minutes and I was like, I'm really sorry. I have to leave. And I left. I haven't felt that uncomfortable at a meetup in a while. And I don't know, I guess it was just a co some combination of all of like little things that kind of added up to what seemed to me an uncomfortable situation for a woman who doesn't really fit in with that group. So yeah, I remember you texting me and you're like, yeah, I'm going to leave. It's just kind of like bro -y feeling here. And I'm like, oh, crazy. And Derek and I showed up. I started counting the number of people. There was like roughly around 80 people, I would think about that. I think that's what I counted. And only eight of them were women and we didn't even get burritos there were there we were like eight <laughs> there was eight i counted the room multiple times and i think there was eight and actually all the speakers were male too so i don't it's even nice. know if i yeah i don't know if i included them on my count but all the speakers were male it was so bad that mars felt like okay i, I don't feel comfortable here and, and leave and i get it like i completely got it burritos and beer just actually to me is like hilarious too like it kind of just like sums that all up right there and i think this goes back to the the subconscious thing because this company's not uh it's not just like a 15 person startup in the city and we're not trying to say what the company is but it's 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 definitely a company that's has done things to promote their diversity within our organization and you could say they're open about it <laughs> <laughs> and um it's it's probably just a matter of uh it's just you know not having the right people in the room when they were planning this this thing and and you know not being diverse in that like it it all starts from someplace and that's probably where it started from it's probably some guy that loves beer and burritos and he's like man i know what's gonna get everyone here Everyone likes beer and burritos. Well, and I don't think they like consciously did that on purpose. Yeah, it wasn't like they were, yeah, they, they weren't trying to alienate, honestly, just a mistake. And it's those little things that I think what we're talking about, that unconscious bias that happens. And there's, you know, it's just trying to be aware of it is like thinking through that scenario of like, hey, if I just have beer and burritos, is that going to alienate someone? One, if it was just meat, I mean, there you've just alienated a lot of people who are maybe vegetarian. Um, I, I don't even know if that was the situation, but it could have been like where it was just like a meat burrito and beer. Well, that doesn't really help a lot of people out. I think they did have offer bottles of water. I think that was one thing that they they did have. They had that. <laughs> and that's not to say that every meetup in the city is perfect in terms of diversity, but I think it leads to kind of a bigger problem. Like the committee that put together this meetup didn't think about, you know, the other side of the coin, basically. Um, not all meetups in the city have more than eight women. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but that combined with some of the other stuff that was done there kind of makes some of us feel uncomfortable. It was more geared at, at a male audience. And so that kind of alienated women who may have gone there. Maybe you weren't the only one who left too. Like that, that could very well be it. There was another conference I went to and it was in San Francisco as well. And it was a one day conference. And the conference had some companies that they allowed them to have like almost like booths outside of the like theater and everything. One of the companies was a motorcycle brand and they had motorcycle or car girls basically standing by them. Yeah, booth babes. That's, that's a perfect way to describe it. And I felt like so, like this is the wrong, wrong people to be having that. Like I felt actually in the feedback, like they send you after this conference, I specifically called that out because I was like, that's, that's so weird. Like, why do you have these girls in these short skirts, 
cleavage hanging out. It just feels wrong for a tech conference. I do like to consider that we're trying to do better. And like when you have that, it's such a like a poor feeling. I, I walked away being like, this is so weird that this is in a conference. Well, at that that conference is implicitly endorsing that no right. matter what they do, by allowing them to be there, it's an endorsement. The good thing with that is at least we're cognizant, at least some of us are. <laughs> Of, of that going on, you know, like if that'd be a beer conference, for instance, or something like that would just be completely okay. No one would question it. And so I think, I guess, you know, it's good that we're having these conversations. I think there's more than just us here in this room talking about this. I think that, you know, there's, there's definitely conversation, which hopefully will, will improve things you know, as, as we go on. Oh, I think education is an important thing. I, I think another area that even companies could do or just be more aware of is interviewing. Interviewing is a major thing. Like when you're hiring people is like, how can you be my more diverse? Obviously, you're going to hire for the right fit for the role, like on talent and everything like that. But it's like, how do you start to attract a more diverse culture? It's it's kind of reaching outside your network. It's not going to the people that are like minded like you and that you're just going to hire the exact same people. You almost have to just be aware of that and like find ways to reach out to someone who is a female or who is a completely different um, ethnic background than you and just think like, hey, like, how will this help our company and be more diverse? So uh, Derek uh, alluded to it instead of Mars earlier. And the question like someone out there is probably asking, like, why do we care? Like, not just equality, like everybody should have an equal shot, but like, why should I care as an engineer? And the fact is, the uh, Jen, our, one of our product managers, she was saying the more diverse team the better the ideas that come out of it. Like it's been proven time and time Absolutely. again. If you have a group full of people that are all exactly the same, you're going to have one good idea and it might be awesome, but it won't work for everybody. But if you have a, a room full of people that aren't like you, think completely different from you, you're going to come up with like some really amazing products. Where if you don't, um, this one isn't necessarily about gender, but uh, I don't know if you guys remember Cheers. me. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it's been a while. I, yeah. it's been a while. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember the uh, Google Plus photo tagging controversy. Where you would tag, uh, I won't say what it is, but they would tag uh, people of darker skin as some sort of animal. And like right there, everybody's like, this just shows no matter what Google's saying, they don't have people of color on their team. Because like this never would have happened. Like such an easy, easy problem. And that's why we're addressing gender diversity. Even to uh, another point is Apple's mistake on the Apple Watch is that it didn't recognize people with tattoos. And like, to me, that's like, how did you not have someone with tattoos that you're putting your watch on to test that? And that could be a, that. I mean, it's not exactly or darker skin, right? darker skin. That was another right. thing. Um, but like, I think it specifically was tattoos in this case. I don't know if it was. It? Yeah, it was. Oh, shit. Especially, yeah. since, like, especially since they prided themselves with testing so many people and like they talked about how they had like people in for hours and on, on end in like rooms on treadmills like testing <laughs> and so they were trying like, like to me like they were like they were honestly trying, trying but, but like you white dudes with burritos <laughs> <laughs> and beer exactly. if beer burritos was a restaurant I'd go there <laughs> yeah for the record I'd be there too perfectly there paired you wouldn't expect too many females there Jim but would there would be uh, there'd be a lot of big male presence there <laughs> We've talked a lot about some of these issues. How do you communicate this to like the community or to your team or the rest of the company? How do we communicate and try and make this better? I think it's providing feedback when instances happen and when you notice things that are happening, just feel comfortable to, to speak up and approach it as from the fact that the person didn't try and do that and that you're just bringing it to their attention and 
if they're a jerk about it, then I mean, that sucks. And that could happen. But I think that we all sort of have an obligation to do that. And that'll, that'll help convert the people that have this unconscious bias to being aware of this bias to hopefully catch it in themselves going forward. I think that's the best thing we could do. Yeah, I think it's just more like awareness and making sure that people are aware of like those issues on when they come up. I think also cultivating a really open environment um, is important because these issues are really they're, they're touchy. They're sensitive to some people. And you need to feel comfortable bringing up something sensitive and touchy even to like, you know, another colleague um, and hope that it won't be held against you in the future for, you know, some unknown bias or personal reason. And I think just having a, a company as a whole that is just really open to candidness really helps. Just, you know, first step is someone has to speak up um, and make it sort of a healthy, safe place where you can start talking about this. And I don't think it has to always be the female that speaks up, right? Like, or the person that's in, or whatever. It doesn't have to be, like, the gender thing. Yeah, <laughs> the offended person. Yeah, it doesn't have to be the offended person. It has, it, it's, it's um, like, I think if you see it happening, whether or not you're sitting comfortable in your, from your point of view, like, I think it's your, you know, I mean, the only way they're going to make this change and, and help make this change is, is to, to say something. I was in a, a training course actually, and we had this um, exercise where they're pairing up people, and people with the short hair were supposed the shortest hair of the pair was supposed to be the manager, and the people with the longest hair was supposed to be the employee. And so naturally, I mean, all the women ended up being the employee, and all the men ended up being the managers. And so we did the exercise, and then after um, someone, a man, actually raised his hand and said to the facilitator, you know, I have some feedback to you. And he provided it to the entire room, which I thought was really interesting and really great. Um, and he said, I think that your example has unconscious bias in it. This is going to skew towards men getting the opportunity to participate in this exercise as a manager, and women have to be the employee. And... The uh, the facilitator took it great. He said, thank you so much for calling that out. We're going to change it the next time. And they did. And for me, I thought that was really great because he was a man. He didn't actually have to say that at all. He maybe didn't even recognize, like, historically would have not recognized that, but he did. So um, I think that that was a great example. It stuck out in my mind that just because it doesn't directly impact you, you should still care. Especially if you do care. If you do care, <laughs> you should definitely speak up, you know, like... And there's, I mean, I think, well, clearly all of us here and, and definitely a lot more people do care. They just don't speak up. So I, I, th I think something that people worry about, I, I worry about, is I don't want to be the white knight, right? The person that rides in on their horse and says, like, gender equality for all and fuck all of everyone gender. else. Gender. Oh, gender. Yeah. Cheers. Right? Like, I worry about that the perception is going to come off that I'm white knighting it. And, like, the I don't know if you've heard the term white knight before, but it's the, the idea that... I don't know necessarily how to explain it. Like I'm riding in my my steed, and that I'm saving the helpless woman from the op oppression from the man, like that kind of thing, right? I think that's a perfect way to describe it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so how do I not ride in my steed? Because I'm still I still have not answered that question. I think you know I think like so Lisa's story about uh, the, the the guy that spoke up in front of the whole class or whatever is one example of doing it but i think you can do it anonymous anonymously and privately too you know like i don't think like the event that we went to ryan and i probably could have sent them like some sort of sure you well, know, or we even, even the one i said about the motorcycle company i got the chance a day or two later they sent me like a questionnaire 
And I put in there, like, this felt very wrong. And like, this is why. And I explained it. And so that was more, you know, like, yeah. maybe not open. But I actually don't think there's anything wrong with making, like, asking that question in a wide audience. No, I don't think now, so either. I think it just depends on your, on your, like, personality. Some people, I think, are sure. okay with that. And then some people are just rather make a difference, but not, like, be the... Whatever you the white knight. Well, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't call that guy a white knight. He just saw something and called it out. Right. I don't think it is. Right. No. Like you didn't think it was, Mm-mm. did you, Lisa? Mm-mm. So I don't know. So it, it's just like something I always worry about. That I like I see something and it's like I don't. I don't want to be an ass about it. Like I don't want to be. I don't know. Yeah. One one thing that I like that companies are doing are like these women events that are trying to like rally and trying to get like more on like activity going on and like inspiring women to like get more like be more in the scene for tech like i hope like one day like eventually like gets to a point where like it doesn't have to be just women events and it's just like women and men and like it just like starts rallying and like becomes like this sort of sort of like status quo where like everyone is like what's happening right now is just it's cool to be a guy in tech right like sometimes that's for like not a good thing because people just want to you know be in tech for all the wrong reasons but for beer and burritos (laughs) free beer and burritos (laughs) it's not necessarily the same for women in tech right like it's like like i feel like you know you're probably doing it because you really want to do it versus there's probably a lot of people in tech that are just doing it because it's the cool thing to do right now and it's where all the money is or whatever whatever you know well, yeah, that and like I, I have a lot, like a lot of respect for women in tech because like when I was in school, like my TAs were women and like they were like really good at teaching. Actually, I personally thought they were better than the men at teaching sometimes, but not not to be gender biased or whatever. But gender. Uh, <laughs> Actually, speaking of that, I was a TA in college, and I asked one of my uh, one of my uh, students out on a date. <laughs> that's a wrong thing to do right it was she went god bless her soul and she's like i don't want to date you anymore i was like okay, okay. <laughs> that might more speak to me like i'm a really bad at dating thank you nikki for marrying me <laughs> that, that's the end of the story There's something more well like whenever we mention diversity it's an important even if like even if you could care less even if you're like some sort of the world's biggest misogynist like you hate women doesn't matter like imagine yourself in the other person's position because it could be you it could be just flipped around and like that's why we need better diversity it's like it's so simple but people are like well i don't really care i make a lot of money i'm a dude i'll be good the rest of my life but it's like it could be you and to like flip the position and that's why we should care more um because i know there's someone out there right now saying well you know why should i really care you know it doesn't affect me but i think to even to your other point too is that uh it helps foster like a better diverse company and diverse thinking. And I think that's a big thing too, is like if you're all men thinking about like you've come up with this hot new startup and you're like, yeah, this is going to be great. It's going to launch and we're going to make like millions and millions of dollars because this product is great. It's a, yeah. beer, it's a beer and burrito app. Beer and burrito <laughs> app. And it only appeals to this one audience. So we've talked a little briefly about interviews. How could we actually help improve interviews for diversity? I'm interested to know like some ways that we could think about it or improve the interview process for diversity in general. I have an interesting story from a a company that I used to work for um, and they were examining, I don't know exactly if it was the diversity or the language that they were using in their job recs and exactly what the point was of the analysis, but they ran their job recs through and I'm sorry, but I don't remember the name of the tool. They ran it through a tool that basically analyzed the language of each job rack oh, for some sort of text. Uh, you. 
Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. It's very cool. It, like you like input the text and it like tells you that you're like gearing towards men or oh, yeah, like middle of the road or female. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. definitely seen that. So they, they ran their job recs through that and they realized that they were all sort of, you know, biased towards male um, engineers as as well as um, other diversity that they were missing out on. And it was really interesting that they, they ran this and then they started to iterate on their job recs to make sure that they were being more inclusive. Um, and I don't no longer work there, but actually I would have suggested, you know, what if you A-B tested your job recs? Why not have multiple versions of the same job rec up on your site, cost nothing to the company, and ideally you would start sort of at the beginning of your pipeline, even before the interview, to get a more diverse set of candidates in the door from the very beginning. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's important. I think that even goes trying to reach out to other networks that aren't just same as you. Like, you're like, oh, I'm friends with this person or like I go to this conference and they're all like me and you end up hiring the same person as you. And that's not good. And it kind of goes to Jem's point, too, is then your product becomes not the best product because there's everyone has the same idea and that doesn't really challenge it at all. Yeah, I think you need to like really select for diversity. Like that needs to be an active party versus um your recruitment and like and I recognize that in saying that like that means please select against me right the white dude right <laughs> that loves beer and burritos <laughs> I'm gonna keep bringing that up but yeah no it, it needs to be like an active thought and part of your diversity or part of your I don't know gender please let's drink oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be an active part of your recruitment that like you actually actively select for diversity do you think it's a good or bad thing? Like, let's say my team is all men and I'm selecting an interview panel and I, you know, want to encourage more diversity. Is it a good or bad thing to include women that are not on my team, but include women in the interview panel? Like, is that okay? Is that not okay? Does it speak to a larger issue? I think that really depends on the situation because I've had, I had this happen to me once where I was put onto a panel as the token woman. Um, I'm a front end engineer and this was an interview for someone who would be more of a back end engineer, you know, specifically focusing on Python. And I went into it being like, well, what am I going to ask this guy? Mm -hmm. I don't want to go in there just to be the token woman because he happened to be someone interested in diversity. And I don't think it necessarily needs to be someone on your team, but if the skill sets are similar, then yeah, I think that makes sense. If you have someone who can ask relevant questions, who happens to be a woman, then go for it. But in my situation, I actually took serious offense to being pulled in as the as a woman on the panel just because I was a woman. I had nothing else to offer besides my gender in that interview. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And the way that I've looked at it when I've been actually asked before is that I shouldn't be included just when there's someone that cares about diversity being interviewed. You should include me when there is a man being interviewed because you should actually just care about a diverse opinion um, and that your team at the time may not be overly diverse and that you're trying to work towards that. That That's sort of how I see it, but I was curious to others. You're encouraging another opinion, like yeah. someone else's different opinion than yours. So, so let me ask this question then, because I'm Captain White Dude that loves burritos and beer. <laughs> so I have a team that's a bunch of white dudes, and like I'm trying to be less white dude burrito. And we're, we're, we're interviewing more white dudes that like burritos, right? So obviously we have a problem. We, have, we already have a problem, and we're continuing to build a problem. But we want to at least build a team that's not going to have all white dudes and burritos all the time. 
I can, I can I can put myself in the position of the person that's forming that that committee that says, let's put in Mars, let's put in Lisa, these people that at least have a diverse opinion from us, even if the skill set doesn't match up directly. Is like we, I recognize immediately that this is a token woman, this is a token black guy, this is a token something else, right? Like I, I feel like it's a it's a step in the right direction, but at least I don't know. But you're right. Like it is a, a token person on the committee. I think you just have to be really careful about your motivations for putting that person on the panel because when they're not professionally motivated, it becomes very obvious to the person who was pulled in on that interview process. In my case, it was, you know, I obviously have nothing to offer. I can't even ask this guy any technical questions. Um, and I think it's okay to, to pull someone in definitely to make, to have a well-rounded panel in all regards. Um, but if your motivations are somewhat, they're, they're not professionally minded, then it's, it's really going to become apparent. I think to the person being pulled in on the panel and also the person who's being interviewed as well. And that reflects badly on you as a company to your employees as well as to your prospective employees, I think. Mars, if you were interviewing a company and you literally just had all men interview you and they were all front end engineers, would you kind of question that company a bit like for being not being diverse at all? I think that's a really hard question only because I recognize that tech has a, d a diversity problem. Um, and it's more often than not that I'm going to, you know, join a company. It's going to be predominantly male. When I see a full panel that's all male, I don't immediately question the diversity issue only because it's, and sadly, it's pretty common. It's kind of the norm. But if I see someone on a panel who doesn't, why it doesn't make sense why they're there, I start to question sort of how the panel was put together, if that makes any sense. If you deviate from the norm in a way that's really obvious for reasons that don't make sense for that interviewee, I think that that reflects badly on the company. But otherwise, I mean, it's, yeah, sadly, it is the norm, and I don't normally question it. I'll say this, um, conference panels, so, you know, a panel of five, six people at any conference, that's an easy win. Like, you don't need five white dudes on the stage. Like, you can just pull in a few, because a uh, few from just different backgrounds. Like, there's no need to have a bunch of, like, the same people on stage at any conference. Like, that's that's so easy. <laughs> like, but I see it all the time. It's like, blah, 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 blah. They're all famous. Yeah, but how about That's some other opinions? opinions? Yeah, no, I've, I've been on a bunch of those panels. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Hashtag. <laughs> sorry, really sorry. Have you ever evaluated, like, if, Jam, if you were asked to, like, to be on a panel and or Brian, like, is it, like, do you look at the rest of the panel when you accept? Or is that just something that you notice after the fact? I look at a panel. I, like, having been in tech a few years now and being a minority, like, I, I look and see... Am I the token black guy on this panel? And, like, sometimes I'll say no. Because, like, I'm not going to be your token. Like, we weren't friends before. We didn't have a dialogue. Don't just, like, hey, we're trying to be more diverse and, like, get a good photo op for, like, there's that black guy in the background. You can see him. Like, I'm not going to be that person. And same thing, like, shouldn't be like, oh, um, yeah, let's uh, let's get Mars and Lisa on this panel of, like, 20 people. Let's, let's pull these people in. We, we've never really talked to them, but, you know, we'll pull them in because, like, we need a good photo. And I see so many companies doing that now. It's just, like, Diversity matters. Yeah, let's like let's spend five thousand dollars marching in pride, and then you go to like their offices, and it's like a bunch of you know white programmers. And it's like you're saying something, but you're doing something else. And I see so much of that. In they they need the photo for their jobs like page or what? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, front page. So, like, there's Joe. I was like, I don't even work there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stock photo where they're like they typed in and like I stock photo of like right. diversity. You, you can still see the watermark. <laughs> so to kind of like wrap up some of the questions, I'm interested to know 
how can we help foster and improve women diversity in tech? Like, what are some takeaways? Uh, we've talked a lot about the problems and things that we can improve on, but as a good takeaway for our listeners, what's something that they could just really do right now and there to improve women in tech? So this is going to, it's kind of a weird point, but whatever, I'm going to make it. I've had enough whiskey that I don't care. Um, hashtag more whiskey. Um, so I've been working a lot, or at least some on my personal time with neural networks. And they're supposed to reflect like how the human brain works, right? That basically you have one neuron that connects to another neuron. And the more that these neurons tend to connect to each other based on past experiences, that, that strength connection, the strength of the connection um, grows, right? And then if it doesn't connect to other ones um, as frequently, that the strength of that connection will weaken. So if you have a bunch of white guys on a team, they're going to have the same sort of connections in their brain, right? So basically, if you say, I have this product, right? They're going to kind of follow the same sort of connections to, to get to that product, right? They're going to have the same sort of ideas going forward. Whereas if you have people that have very, very different life experiences, right? Like someone that grew up in inner city Chicago versus, you know, Bangalore, India, right? They're going to have very, very different connections of how they arrive to different ideas, right? Basically, what I'm trying to demonstrate here is that if you enforce diversity, if you seek diversity, if you ac actively select diversity, you're going to end up with a bunch of people with a bunch of different kind of ideas and different connections in their brains. And so if you say, I want to correct, I want to create a AI chatbot, because why the fuck would you want to do that? But you want to do it because it's 2016. Then or you're 1995. Gonna, yeah, or 1995. <laughs> one of the two. Hashtag Clippy. You're going to end up with different ideas for your product, right? That you would otherwise not get, right? You're going to end up with people looking at products from different ways that you wouldn't expect. And so you're going to not only avoid catastrophes like Google <laughs> arrived upon, but you're actually going to get better ideas for your product that you didn't, you weren't exactly seeking, right? And that's because you're going to have a diversity of ideas, a diversity of paths to get to your idea, to, to, your, to your product. And so beyond just being the right thing to do, if you're just like the worst um, sociopath asshole that just wants to make money, it's actually going to make you more money too. So diversity is actually going to make your company a better company in addition to being a more moral company, which should be the reason that you choose to do that. But, you know, whatever, fuck you if you don't. But here's also a business reason to do it too. Yeah, it's going to make the product better. Yeah. I also think if you're not in a position to, like, hire people or, or, or do that kind of stuff, there's still things that everyone can do. And it kind of starts with just questioning yourself and your own beliefs and trying to spot instances where you know, like, was that biased? Was that not biased? And like constantly just evaluating it because I, I know I've done it. I mean, I, I'm sure we all have, but I think that's really important. And that's one thing that everyone can do, um, as well as just questioning things, right? If you see something that seems strange, if you see a panel of all white men, then just, you know, just question, like, why did that happen? Like, why did you only select this? Like, that's very curious. Like, I would love to learn more. Um, and just approaching it from that standpoint instead of accusatory um, can can uh, lead to like a, a discussion on on like what's actually going on. Yeah, I mean, to to build on what Lisa and Brian both said, I think it's just about pushing yourself as an individual to not take the easy route. Like, I think it's easy to connect with people that are similar to you, whether it doesn't matter if it's gender 
or <laughs> cheers. Or, um, Countless other things that make you different from another person. I think it's just about you know um, pushing yourself. Like we, when, when we're in our day to day environment, we don't always take the easy route. In fact, I think as engineers, we always pride ourselves in taking the route that's not easy, right? And so, like, I think we need to do that with people too. And um, I just think like speaking up, whether you're the person that's impacted or not, like we talked about earlier, I think that's super important and definitely something I can do better. I mean, you know, what we talked about earlier, as far as going to that meetup, I think, you know, I probably should have just given them some anonymous feedback. I'm not the type of person that's going to speak up in, in the room and say, hey, you guys suck. You have burritos and beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think don't be too aggressive on it either. Yeah, like, um, that's a good thing. But, uh, you know, definitely something that I could have probably done more, made more of an impact by by speaking up and by, um, you know, and even in interviews, too. It's just like, yeah, okay, I get along really well with this person because they're just like me. But that's not necessarily a good thing because of all the things we just talked about. I mean, you're not going to create a great product when everyone thinks the same way. I think another thing that I'm so guilty for and I, I struggle with, and I try not to say it is saying the, the phrase you guys, and because it's like completely biased. You're totally talking to men. You're saying you guys, that is one thing that's really difficult to not say. It's such a saying, but it's like trying to not say that in maybe say you all. And I, I know that that's, yeah, yeah, like I'm okay with that. It's better than you guys. <laughs> I, I just said it on friends. <laughs> Instead of saying guys, say friends. I like that. Hey, friends. I think a good thing to do, um, and I try to constantly do it at conferences when I'm speaking with people is, and this is like always happens historically, is that a bunch of people will approach me, usually men, and then later, like off to the side, um, like a woman will come up like, hey, you know, I really liked your thing. I'm like, kind of like a bit more meek, a bit more standoffish. And I try to like be extra encouraging to them because I know it's hard, much harder for women to like enter into the industry and like all these smart people and like these dudes and I got to interview with all of them. And I try to be like, no, no, come up, like, come on in. Um, like I'll help you if I can and give out my email. And like, I think that's something we can all do is just be more encouraging to people that historically have not had the same opportunities we have. And that, that, that one's easy too. That's an easy one. Yeah. I guess I'll just say, um, I'm not sure how many like of our viewers are women, but like I heavily encourage you all to like try to get into the tech if you're really interested. And like, there are people who are like really welcoming, like, I, I'm like definitely welcoming like feel free to tweet me like if you if I can do anything um, and then yeah also kind of building on what Jem and Mars was kind of saying like I hope like we can try to shy away from this kind of deceptive like oh hey like we're all about diversity let's include Jem like for the photo or let's include Mars into the interview panel panel to tokenize women or something like I, th I feel like these are like actually maybe what you were saying um, Derek like these are like cheap fast easy routes of like trying to be perceived as diverse but it doesn't fix the inherent issue it doesn't fix like the deep issue like we just need to like like focus on like cr creating the status quo that like hey like it makes sense and like women are really fantastic at tech like i've like like i said like i've had a lot of my teachers who are women and they like taught me pretty well so as we wrap up today's episode each episode we like to share picks that uh, whether it be like favorite technologies or things that we're interested in. Let's go around the table and share today's picks. Mars and Lisa, do you want to start off? What what do you have for us today for picks that you're enjoying? I have two picks, one serious and then one that is more fun. Um, so my first pick is for Shiny. For any of you that are in the analytics sort of industry and have to work to build your own dashboards, Shiny is an open source framework 
um, that allows you to build dashboards through R. And it's it's really awesome. It just kind of um, frees you up to be able to build things without software and be able to be a lot more um, effective and um, create a lot of closed loop reporting that you normally would have needed uh, software or approval in order to do, which is cool. The fun one is um, for Sift Dessert Bar. And this is a bakery that is in San Francisco. It's actually amazing. They have these things called whoopee cookies, which I found out after are a play on um, whoopee pie, which I don't even really know what that is. But they're delicious. Um, delicious. Yeah. So it, and it is it's it's so good. So if you're ever in San Francisco and you want to try that, you should definitely do Wait, that. Wait, Lisa, how do you get it delivered? I get it delivered through Uber Eats. Oh, <laughs> wow. Obviously. A little plug for Uber there. A little plug for Uber, naturally. Mars, what do you have? for us for your picks this uh, episode so i have two i've recently become obsessed with podcasts so the first one obviously front and happy hour right yeah front and happy hour is on there can, can we pick ourselves <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first podcast i'm gonna plug is um 99 invisible by roman mars um well he shares a name with me so i love that but also he talks about the invisible forces and in design that um shape our lives and also um the ted radio hour by um, npr which i just find to be a great medium for actually, quote unquote, listening to TED Talks. I have a really short term um, attention span when it comes to watching videos. So they put together three TED Talks um, around a subject and they take sort of the most salient points from each one and they bring the speakers in on the podcast, which I find really interesting. So yeah, you should listen to that. I got a question for you on 99% Invisible. Great podcast. Um, have you heard Invisibilia? I have also heard Invisibilia. They, they, like, they seem very similar ideas with very similar titles. I haven't listened to both of them. but They do. Um, I like how 99% Invisible is a little bit more focused. They, they're, it's a shorter podcast. It's 25 minutes on average versus like a 15-minute podcast. Um, oh, that'd be terrible to listen to an hour-long podcast. Yeah, an hour-long podcast, like front end happier. <laughs> <laughs> on what you're doing like one's for the treadmill one's for the shuttle to work so I, I think they're both really fascinating um, and actually I would plug Invisibilia because it's run by three women and they do make some great points and have some really great stories and it's very well Augustus what do you have? Uh, yeah I have two um, one is this article about blameless postmortems. I think it's like a really good kind of culture to set and kind of fitting for this podcast is that the one from Etsy? Uh, I believe it's actually just from this guy from Ken called KenNorton.com. And he just has like an article. And I think you were talking about how Reddit like has like this kind of culture. Which we adopted from Etsy. Oh, okay. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, like, yeah, I just, I just was reading the article and it just like makes so much sense. And it would be great if companies started adapting this kind of whole like, hey, after a project, let's just talk about it. And it's not anyone's fault. Problems happen. Let's just talk about it. Um, the second one um, is this thing called commit logs from last night which I think is just a giant li list that grips like the word shit from, <laughs> from GitHub. And there's like hilarious commits. There's like strings and shit. Meet your match update V2. Why won't this piece of shit work? <laughs> and like one of my favorites was, I think they have a Twitter account, but one of my favorites was like, not sure what I did, but this shit runs a lot faster now. <laughs> so yeah, check it out. That's awesome. Jim, what do you have for us? Uh, first one is Ava. It is a test runner, but... With an eye towards ES6, ES2016, and mostly concurrency, which is fantastic because you think, I'm running all these unit tests. Why do they need to run synchronously? It doesn't make any sense. So that's what they try to do, and it's pretty good. I haven't used it in my personal project yet because 
Well, I don't write unit tests for my personal projects because I'm lazy. Um, it's ki- it's but, pretty kick-ass. Yeah, it's pretty good. I met one of the uh, founder or creators of it, a core contributor, and like super smart person. So uh, next pick is music for programming dot net. Can't remember if I picked that already because it's so fantastic that I like I always refer to it. But if I need like I have a task and I know I just, I already know what I need to get done. I just need to like space everybody out and get it done. I always go there. It's fantastic. And my third pick is um, not really a pick, but it's just a shout out to women in tech for the past 50 years. Like, holy crap. Like, talk about people that they worked so hard, they got no credit, and they came with, like, probably very chauvinist uh, atmosphere. And they, like, wrote Apollo 11 code. And we're talking about, like, old school, like, hardcore programmers that <laughs> they put up with so much crap and they were just brilliant. But yeah, shout out to them, man. Holy crap. They're, like, I look at some of the code, um, Lynn Clark. Her yeah. mom wrote some, uh, I think, Apollo 11 code. Apollo 11. Yeah. That's badass. But, yeah, that code is like, that's when they kept it in binaries. It was like 10 feet tall. And, oh, yeah. Just, All right. Cheers cheers to women. Yeah, I'll, also, shout out to uh, to Lynn Clark. She's fantastic. And Lynn, yeah, Lynn's super smart. Derek, what do you have picks this week? Oh, my first pick oh, is this whiskey that um, <laughs> Ryan bought. Um, the High West Silver, which I've actually really never been one for silver whiskeys, but that's um, really good. There's two of them. There's the Western Oat, which is what we were drinking. And then there's also OMG, which are both really good. But the Western Oat is better. I think it definitely has a different taste than normal whiskey. So I think it's probably, like you said, uh, uh, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. But it's really good. More seriously, maybe. This happened probably about a month ago now. But the um, WWDC announcements for iOS 10 and watchOS 3 and all that stuff was really excited to see all the new stuff coming to um, iOS and and like, um, especially their attention to building extensions and all that stuff to like integrate things into all their different um, into their different stock apps and to their OS and stuff. So really excited to try that stuff out. I downloaded the beta to my phone. It sucks, but that's okay. It's just a beta. <laughs> my third pick is um, I'm late to the game, but uh, just uh, was off for the last week and needed to binge watch something and chose Mr. Robot as a mm, as a as a, a show to binge watch. It was really awesome. Like I haven't even really heard about it and uh, just read an article about things to to binge watch on Netflix and others. And this was and the others. Brian, what do you what do you have for your picks this week? My my serious pick is definitely Project Include. Which is from my former boss, Ellen Powell, as well as people like Tracy Chow and other fantastic women that I can't remember their name of because I've been drinking too much. But it's just basically to help uh, clueless startups be inclusive and just kind of helping them guide, guide them through that process because it's hard as a startup to try and, you know, try and be inclusive, especially when you don't, you're not diverse already. So check them out for sure. They have articles, they have consulting. Um, every bit of thing that they put out is definitely worth it. My second pick is much more self-serving. <laughs> uh, I released an open source project this past week called Elk, which basically is something like Bitly, where you can do uh, URL shortening using Now, which is from Zeit. Uh, so definitely check it out. It's on my GitHub, btholt slash elk-cli. You should remember that because it's very, very easy to remember. We'll put it in the show notes as well. Okay. Um, but basically, you can shorten URLs from the CLI. I think it's super useful because it is. So, so go ahead and use it. 
Yeah, no, I've looked at it. It looks pretty awesome. It is really awesome. cool. Yeah. The, the code is awful. <laughs> <laughs> but it works. It Who does cares? work. I shipped it. All right, so I love that Derek picked a High West uh, whiskey because I actually have another High West uh, whiskey chosen, which Brian actually is the one who... Go Team Utah. Yeah. Brian Brian pushed me onto this whiskey. It's great. High West uh, Rendezvous uh, Rye, which is actually becoming one of my favorite ryes now. Um, it's delicious. My s- next pick is a music pick, which is Snack the Ripper. Um, he has a new album called From the Dirt. Uh, so it's another album worth checking out. I will actually add that to the front end happy hour uh, playlist as well. All right. I want to thank Mars and Lisa for joining us on today's episode and in the discussion. Where can people follow you on get in touch with you? Lisa. People can follow me on Twitter. It is underscore Lisa Burgess. Mars, what about you? I'm also on Twitter. My handle is Mars Josephine. For the rest of the panelists, let's go around and how can each, how can people get in touch with you on Twitter? Augustus. Yeah, mine is uh, at Ogberto, like burrito. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. At, at Ogberto, H-U-G-B-U-R-T-O. Mine is at Jem Young. Mine is at Derek Showers. And if you tweet me cuter dog pictures than you tweet Jem, <laughs> I'll give you stickers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, mine's uh, at HoltBT. And I'm at Burgess D. Ryan. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. Make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app and follow us on Twitter at FrontEndHH. Thank you all.